Hello, my name is Emily Jansen, and this is the Leadership is Female podcast. I am a female leader in the pro sports industry, and each week I interview women in the sports business to teach you the tips and the mindset that will get you to the next level faster. Did you know that less than 25% of leadership roles in the sports and entertainment industry are held by women? We've got work to do. Marion Wright Edelman said, you can't be what you can't see. So I am here as your host to bring visibility to women who are crushing it in their roles. Join me week after week, season after season, as we reach back to extend a hand to pull you forward. We will lead you forward because leadership is female. You guys, this episode has it all. Felisa Israel is an amazing woman who tore through the NBA from the Suns to Team Bo to then entertaining millions as the NBA's director of live programming and entertainment. She looked at the court as a stage and thought about what the people wanted to see. The NBA is known as the most entertaining professional live sporting event you can attend. Any game you go to is incredible. Felisa laid the groundwork for the spectacle the NBA is today. Then she went on and did something even more amazing. She started a live event production company and brought that talent to so many other events, including volleyball. She doesn't need an NBA budget to do fantastic work, and she'll tell you how she did that in today's interview. Then she thought, this isn't enough. I want to pay it forward, and founded the Impact Learning Institute, now housed at UCLA. The Impact Learning Institute is launching the next generation of sports executives into their careers by placing ambitious college students and recent graduates with paid internships at some of the most powerful companies in sports and entertainment, while providing hands-on training and one-on-one coaching every step of the way. This interview is packed with so much powerful information to help you level up in your career and inspire you to pay it forward. So without further ado, let's go. Welcome to the Leadership is Female podcast, Felisa Israel. So excited to have you here today, fellow Chicagoan. So yeah, a tangent about all that great food. Just hang with us. I mean, I feel like I look at you and I'm craving Lou Malnati's pizza and Vienna beef hot dogs. And then I'm gaining weight. My pants are getting tighter as we talk. (laughs) (laughs) The butter crust. And we got to talk about those Italian beef sandwiches too. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny because I'm on this like meal program right now and it's working for me. And I'm like, as soon as I get down to where I want to be, then I can start eating what I want again. Yeah. So that's that's the way we diet when you're from the Midwest. Okay. (laughs) Food is comfort for me for sure. All right. So you are just absolutely incredible woman, incredible human. You've done amazing things in your career. So share with us who you are and what you do. Uh, well, yeah, my name is Felisa Israel. And um, currently, I have two businesses. Uh, one of the, one of them is Tenfold Entertainment, which is a um, large scale live event production company where we produce events. And that's something that I love doing, super passionate about, and I'm creative. So it's a lot of fun for me. And um, my other business, which I am also super passionate about, is um, I own a professional development program for students who want to have careers in sports, entertainment, and media. It's hosted by UCLA Anderson Business School, although it's not exclusive to UCLA or UCLA students. And, you know, um, it it somehow became hand in hand for me. And um, I love them equally. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I feel lucky that I get to live my life doing things that I love doing and helping the world to be a better place. I know that sounds cliche, but it's actually true. Yeah. You are a woman of service with, with the impact program. And I'm so excited to talk about that and tenfold entertainment. But before you have those companies, you served as the NBA's director of live programming and entertainment such a huge role. So can you share with us a few things, how you landed the role, what you did in the role, your biggest challenge, and of course, your favorite memory when you're in programming and entertainment. We got to hear the good stories. Please. Well, all right. So we could back it up a little bit. I went to Arizona State University. I'm a proud Sun Devil. 
And I always wanted to be in the music and entertainment business. I never really wanted to be in sports. Funny enough, my roommates at ASU would have son's parties and I would be like, I'm going shopping. Um, and life happened and I wound up getting offered an opportunity to work for the Phoenix Suns. Um, if everybody saw the last dance with Michael Jordan, I mean, come on, Chicago, you know, Michael Jordan was like a religion in all of our homes. Of course. Growing up. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I wound up getting a job as a marketing assistant at the Phoenix Suns the year after Charles Barkley um, went head to head with Michael Jordan in the finals. And so it was a super hot ticket. And it's funny because I know I sound sounded spoiled, but I'm like, I don't want to work in sports. And then this person that I was speaking with, he was like, Felisa, you know, there's a lot of entertainment in sports. And I was like, yeah, yeah. And then next thing you know, because I, I grew up musical, you know, I played piano for 15 years. I'm classically trained. I played drums and the percussion, which I loved for a long time. And I was a dancer. And then, you know, when I got the job at the Suns, I was just like, what am I going to do here? I, I spoke to people. I'm like, how long have you been working here for? And they're like, oh, six years, 10 years. I'm like, what a waste. Like, what are they doing here for so long? But then one of my first jobs was to be in charge of the national anthem auditions. And I was like, oh, yes. Like, I'm going to find the next Whitney Houston. I got very excited about it. I was like the Paul Abdul on American Idol before American Idol was even around. And then next thing you know, because I was so musically inclined, then I was in charge of the Phoenix Suns dance team. And I was like, oh, I get to I get to play, you know, like dress these girls and, you know, help with choreography and producing music. And so I started changing my perspective and looking at the court as a stage of performance opportunities with pregame, timeouts, quarter breaks, halftime, and you get to do it all over again in the second half. Um, and then, uh, <clears throat> so I did that as the head of entertainment for the Phoenix Suns for six years. And then um, the WNBA started. And I helped to start the Phoenix Mercury uh, when the league started. And I think we should recognize that today is the first day of, what is it, Women's History Month? Yeah. Women's History Month. It's March 1st. So we are kicking it off right. Yeah, I think it's very ironic, you know, because um, one of the things that I feel so grateful for is being a female during that time and watching someone who at that, you know, listen, at that time, the NBA was heavy male dominated and commissioner David Stern was the leader of the pack. Right. And he invested in creating a women's professional basketball league. And for me to sit, literally sit on the sidelines and, you know, Cheryl Miller, Reggie Miller's sister, although she totally stands alone, uh, was the coach. She was the head coach. And all of these women's dreams were coming true right before their eyes. And it was truly magical. So with it being Women's um, History Month, like, I, I feel grateful to have been a part of that historical time. Um, so yeah, I, I feel like that's a really cool part to add to my story. But then I moved to New York and I worked for NBA Entertainment where I I helped to produce and direct uh, large-scale live events like the All-Star Games and international exhibition games. And then I also uh, was part of a new div division that was created called TeamBo, which stands for Team Marketing and Business Operations, where I would travel around. At that time, I was traveling to all 30 teams, crazy, um, and meeting with their C-suite execs and presidents and evaluating them and ultimately reporting our findings back to the commissioner, David Stern at the time. And then uh, just to make a very long story short, then I um, moved to LA after 9-11 and um, I was in charge of the Western, evaluating the Western Conference region. Although I asked to keep Chicago because it was an opportunity for me to see people from home. And then, um, and then the NBA owned a celebrity entertainment basketball league called the NBA E-League, not the current E-League, the former E-League. And uh, in 08, when the economy crashed, I wound up negotiating a deal 
with the league and I acquired that property. And then I owned that for quite a few years, which was really cool. It had guys like Casey Wasserman and Will Ferrell and Jamie Foxx, Adam Sandler, and agents and producers and directors and writers. I learned very quickly about Hollywood and the entertainment industry and how sports was like this insane influence on Hollywood. And I had an idea about that before, but so I wound up acquiring that, owned that for a while, and then went back to my passion of producing. And that's where uh, my production company came about, Tenfold Entertainment. What a story through your tenure at, at the in the NBA, at the team side, the league side, Teambo, WNBA. What, what roots for you to grow and blossom in and then ultimately start Tenfold Entertainment, which produces creative and innovative live sponsored events on a regional, national, and international scale, as well as develop marketing programs to add extra value and increase client sponsorship opportunities. So you gave us a little bit of insight there on why you left the NBA to go out on your own. You first acquired one of their properties, learned more about talent intersection of Hollywood and sports. The question is, how did you know it was time when you made these acquisitions, these pivots? What was what was your mindset and how did you know it was time to leave one thing for the next? Oh, well, that's a great question. Um, and a specific memory comes to mind. And I was literally on six planes a week. I was traveling to all the teams, three teams a week. And um, so plane after plane and, you know, although I was staying in um, five-star hotels and I had an American Express card, expense account and flying first class, um, I remember showing up to the Four Seasons in Houston and I checked in and they said, oh, welcome back, Miss Israel. We have your room waiting just for you. And I was like, my room in my head, <clears throat> like, this is not my room, you know? And I went into the room and I went to bed that night and I was laying in that bed thinking to myself, thousands of people have laid in this bed doing God knows what. And it just made me realize, like, I really miss my, my own bed. I miss my sheets. I miss my car. I miss my home. I miss knowing what's going on. And, um, you know, it seems very glamorous to travel like that, but at the end of the day, um, it's hard. It's a hard life living on the road. And then I realized that like, once I started paying attention to like the new luggage, I'm like, this is wrong. Like the, this is not healthy, you know? And I ultimately wanted to be a mother and I wanted to have a family and life on the road um, goes by very quickly. So yeah, that was my aha moment where I knew that I needed to like make a change. Yeah. And you really paid attention to those internal voices and feelings to guide you in the next direction and ultimately carve your own path at tenfold. So I want to hear more about the company. What are some of the most memorable events you've produced? What are lessons you've learned as, as a leader um, on the event side and and coming in and, and creating these uh, incredible experiences? Well, I've always dreamed about it. You know, I remember sitting at my desk at the team or the league and I thought, to, you know, you, we all have these moments where like, if this was my team, I would do it this way. Or if I was, this is my league, right? And I always dreamed about having my own company. And by the way, um, Steve Jobs totally stole this from me, but I was going to call it FaceTime because <laughs> the importance of FaceTime is just like really powerful. Um, but, but anyway, yeah. Um, I have clients like Bleacher. I've worked with Bleacher Report, NBA All-Star Weekend, um, Turner. We're one of the preferred vendors for Santa Monica Pier. Uh, we're currently for... I think the fourth or fifth year we're executive producing um, Children's Hospital Los Angeles largest sports fundraising event. Uh, this year is going to be at the Coliseum this summer. It's all very exciting. And 
love being able to do that. But my first real big gig out of the gate was the World Series of Beach Volleyball um, for someone named Leonard Armato, who was Shaquille O'Neal's agent uh, throughout his career. And he had also owned the AVP, which is the uh, professional volleyball tour and other things. And he's like, Felisa, I have this vision of taking world-class Olympic level competition, pro beach volleyball and meshing it with the Coachella music festival vibe. And I want you to help us run it. And I was like, volleyball, I'll figure it out. You know, it's got balls, it's got fans, it's got players, like it'll translate. And then, you know, it turned into this pre-qualifying event for the Olympics, a six day live event broadcast live on all NBC platforms nationally and internationally. And I was like, this is mega. And, you know, people talk now about imposter syndrome and I'm like, I don't know what it takes. I've never learned formally how to be an entrepreneur. I didn't create a business model for my company. Like I never went to business school, but okay, here's the opportunity. I don't want to fail. And, um, so I go to him and I said, you know, Leonard, I'm good, but I'm not that good. I need a, I need a staff. I need a bigger budget. And he was like, um, Felisa, you know, this isn't the NBA. And I was like, okay, I understand. I read between his lines. So I got creative quickly and I went and immediately started a relationship with UCLA Anderson Business School. And I told myself, I'm like, I'm going to go create my own team department. I'm going to go hire a bunch of young students who are hungry in wanting to work in sports and entertainment. And I'm going to train the hell out of them. And I'm going to turn them into an army of rock stars and teach them how to be stage managers and producers and directors and create run of shows and deal with the TV trucks, all the cool factors. I'll make it super sexy for them. And, you know, there's going to be celebrities involved and professional athletes and, you know, Olympic um, federations and et cetera. So it turned out to be one of the most amazing experiences of my life and one of the most truly rewarding experiences of my life. And it led me to where I am now with Impact Learning Institute with my professional development program. After I had realized that I trained, mentored and helped to place upwards of a hundred students over the five years of executive producing the World Series of Beach Volleyball, it was just a natural, um, growth pattern for me to take it into this um, academic world. And so it's something that I'm extremely proud of and, you know, making all kinds of changes and watching. I've learned that I'm really talented at understanding people's capabilities and seeing what they're made of. Um, and we've had some incredible case studies because of it so far. It's really exciting. Yeah. It's a phenomenal program that you have based out of UCLA, where you're launching the next generation of sports executives into their careers. And these are ambitious college students and recent graduates with paid internships, important paid internships mm -hmm. at, uh, they're not working for Taco Bell coupons like I did in college. <laughs> <laughs> like we all did. Well, you know, it's interesting that you bring that up because pre-COVID three years ago, we started as an in-person program with paid internships and then COVID happened. And then we literally, you know, for impact, we did create a business model, right? Um, a very sophisticated one. And then when COVID hit, the unexpected we had to change the entire business model in a matter of minutes to a complete online program. I have never taken a course online prior to this, you know, and some of our advisory board members were like, you guys should think about creating online opportunities to extend the program, yada, yada. And so we didn't have a choice but to survive. I had lost my events business in 2020. And I'm like, the, the sky is falling. What is happening? You know, and the worst, one of the worst words you could say to someone who's has a primary language and fan experience is like, you know, hearing the media and is the fan experience ever going to come back? You know, are live events ever going to come back? And I'm like, my soul was being crushed. Um, and then I was like, we have to, and then we had students who were inspiring me 
at, at a time where I was feeling sorry for myself, wondering what the hell is going on. And they were like, you know, all these students were losing inspiration and they were losing hope because everyone was getting furloughed. All this money was going away. The internships that they were promised for the summer were dissolving. And so they were calling me and they were like begging me, please, please tell us that the program is still happening. And I was like, oh, I got to fight for these kids. You know, even if I don't make a dime, like we got to do what's right for the moment, you know? And so we did, and, and they are the ones that picked me up. Um, I don't even know if they know that, but, you know, and so it's funny because Nathan, who works with me, I was so tired of hearing all of this, like, is, is this ever going to come back stuff chatter? And so I had a revelation one day and I called Nathan and I'm like, Nathan, I don't need to wait for people to tell me if the fan experience or live events are coming back. I tell them. And so we're bringing back the fan experience. He's like, okay, how do you suppose we do that? And I was like, we're doing it with our online education program. We're going to have pregame. We're going to have timeouts. We're going to have quarter breaks. We're going to have halftime. We're going to have DJ spinning at halftime. We're going to have dance team routines. I'm like, we have everything at our fingertips. We're going to get creative and we're going to turn it into an interactive learning experience. And I can't look at this godforsaken computer for six hours a day. And if I can't, Lord knows these students can't, can't either. So we figured it out. And honest to God, we made it so fun. It's a party online. And um, yeah, six hours in our masterclass week goes by like that. And called in a bunch of favors and to my hotshot friends, you know, who are now high level executives after 30 years of knowing each other and asked them to do me a solid and help teach these students. And they did. And it turned into an amazing silver lining. That is such a great story. And one that we hope that the pandemic experience is filled with is the silver linings and us figuring out how to do it when our world was not the same. And it sounds like you did and brought students forward, which is so incredible. It's amazing how it pays, pays you back as well when you're, when you're putting in so much effort and you do the hands-on training, you do one-on-one coaching, and then you launch these students out into the workforce. Can you share a story or two, a success story or two from the program? Yeah, I would love to. Um, as a matter of fact, there's, there's, well, there's quite a few happening right now, but um, the one that's top of mind is there's a girl that she's a first generation um, Filipino girl. Her parents are immigrants and she's in California and her parents couldn't afford to send her to college. So she gets a job at Starbucks. I don't know if you, if anyone knows this or if you know this, but Starbucks, if you get a job even part-time, um, they will help you with health benefits for you and your family, even if it's part-time. They'll give you money to apply towards adopting if you wanted to adopt a child. And they'll give you a free online education at Arizona State University. So this girl at the barista takes advantage of the online education. So being an ASU alum in California, I had spoken at their courses and that sort of thing. So she hears about our program. She signs up through our scholarship program. Uh, she gets accepted. She's a beautiful singer, beautiful vocalist. And I called one of my executive coaches and he works with artists management. And I asked him, you know, do, do you want to work with her? And he's like, yeah, I'll help her understand how to build a world tour. And I'm like, are you kidding? That's amazing. I would love to learn how to build a world tour. So he did, she did, she graduated. He calls me afterwards and he's like, Felisa. Gigi is amazing. She's a rock star. He's like, can I hire her? I'm like, to do what? He goes, go on tour. And I go around the world. And he goes, yeah, the tour that she helped to build, she'll now be a production assistant on. And I'm like, oh my God, that's amazing. And so Gigi called me and she's screaming, you know, out of her skin. She's like, Felisa, you have changed my life. Impact has changed my life. 
She's like, this is something that I never thought was accessible, you know, or in reach. She goes with, you know, my immigrant, like it was just not feasible. And, you know, here she is and she's already started um, in Nashville in rehearsals. And then they're, they're doing, they're on tour. As a matter of fact, they're going to be in Phoenix, you know, in two weeks. And Oh my gosh. I literally have tears in my eyes. I know. I I get the goosebumps every single time I talk about it, you know, and, uh, and there's another student that, um, He's from Crenshaw and uh, he was raised in in gang life and he slept on concrete floors with rats and he comes from a single parent home and single parents incarcerated and, or was, uh, I think he has seven siblings. He's lost over 15 people in his life to gang violence. And um, he's literally fighting for his life through education and, you know, he really shined so brightly in our program. And then not too long after he graduated our program, he sent me a text and the text was a picture of the acceptance letter of him getting a paid internship at Excel Sports Agency. And I like got emotional and I called him. I'm like, why didn't you tell me you were interviewing? I would have helped you like something. He goes, Felisa, because you got me. And I go, what do you mean I got you? And he's like, you already got me. You gave me the tools. He's like, you know, on the first day of class, you ask everybody, like, what's their name? Where are they from? And what's their dream job? And I remember you asked me that. And I was saying, and I kept talking, talking, talking. And you were like, that's not what I asked you. I asked you, what's your name? Where are you from? And what's your dream job? He goes, and at first I was like, put, put, off a little bit, like, what, why is she yelling at me? And he's like, and that moment and your voice stuck in my head during my interviews. And it just made me stick to the script, answer the questions and be direct. He goes, I knew what I needed to do to land this gig. He goes, you got me. And now he's at ESPN. And I'm just like, it's overwhelming to be honest with you. It's, it's really authentic and genuine and sincere and pure. And it really comes from love on both sides, you know, and um, it's important for me to stay by their side for the rest of their lives. I really, truly want to see them win. And whatever I can do to, to, you know, I tell them like, your network is your net worth, but I want to take my 30 year network and make it your net worth, you know, give you the opportunities that you're capable of and that you deserve to have through proper training. That's so incredible. I'm just loving and hanging on every word that you're saying. This is just, it's so, such a hopeful conversation for the future and lifting people up into the careers that they were meant to have, giving them opportunities that ordinarily wouldn't be within their grasp because they didn't have the right network. And that is just so generous of you and reminds me so much of some of the work that uh, we've done and training we've had in, in DE&I and talking about how we need to be expansive with these circles to make sure that we're including the next generation. We're including more yeah. people who might not have access to the circles that we're privileged to be a part of. So I'm just thrilled to hear these stories come to life. Thank you. Yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah, and, and you, I, you fight for them. I fight for them. You do, and you have this hashtag that you teach. Hashtag Club Nojo. Yeah. Tell us what that means and why it's important. Um, you know, um, I start off the first day of class with, and I actually came up with that saying with the students. And hashtag Club Nojo stands for no judgment. And, um, you know, I tell them, look, you guys are now a part of a family. And, uh, you know, this is a room full of tolerance and love. We're all different. Each one of us in here has an individual story. We're made up of different passions, different things that drive us, um, different things that we like dislike, you know, et cetera. And, you know, we're raised differently economically and politically and religiously, whatever the case may be is, doesn't matter. 
Because at the end of the day, we are a family and that means we honor each other, we respect each other, and we don't judge each other. We may not agree with each other and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. But in this room, we got each other. And so, you know, it's really cute because students who have either been in my program or have gone on, you know, they'll, they'll hashtag, you know, they'll put hashtag club no Joe forever, you know, on our Instagram and that sort of thing. And it's just, I've connected like current students with former students. And I'm like, Hey, it's your impact fam member. You know, he's trying to get an internship at ESPN. Will you help him out? Like, and they all, they're all there for each other from different all over the country, you know, and it's just immediate, you know, it's hard to get the Gen X, uh, or sorry, Gen Z, like, you know, responses to respond so quickly to help other people because they're all focused on what they're needing to do in the now, but like, they all respond quickly, you know, it's, it's just, it's special. And that's what people need. People need guidance. People need direction. People need to be seen and heard. And people at the end of the day, we all need management. You know, we all need management and we all need goals to know how to accomplish things in life. So whether it's you fall under the DEI category, whether you're a female, whether you're first generation, it, does, it doesn't matter. Like, it doesn't matter what, you know, if you go to Harvard or if you come from Crenshaw, like we all need to know how to function in a way that uh, sets us up for success. Hey leaders, let me be blunt. Sometimes in order to level up, you've got to get a new job. Because of this awesome community we have created here for engaged sports professionals and leaders in adjacent industries, opportunities are floating to this community. Do you wanna hear about them? I want to share these new opportunities with you. Recently, I've included listings of available jobs in our newsletter and will continue to do so. If you aren't on that newsletter list, you can add your email at leadershipisfemale.com. And if you are hiring, email me at my personal email, emilyjansen at gmail.com, so that I can share your open role. If we want to continue to add diverse, talented leaders to our businesses, we have to look for new ways to recruit this diverse talent. 80% of our listeners on the Leadership is Female podcast are women. Find your next great hire here. Let's go. At Leadership is Female, we are so excited to welcome Mobot as a brand partner. We use and love this product and know you will too. Mobot is a female-founded and led company that has promised to do things differently, from the core philosophy of sustainability and helping people feel good to the holistic approach of healing and creating movement around daily recovery and wellness, Mobot is the best. Mobot is a revolutionary fitness product and was the first to patent the combined high-performance travel, foam roller, and reusable, environmentally sustainable water bottle. Unique and recognizable, Mobot's proprietary technology is designed to be both impressive in form and function, not to mention beautiful and easy to carry. Order your Mobot today and use the code, all one word, leadership is female for 15% off. Visit Mobot.com today to get your Mobot water bottle. Visit Mobot.com. 100%. So you've told us this, these stories today about this incredible career that you've had. One thing has led to the next, but is there a specific hurdle that you'd had to overcome in your career? <clears throat> yeah, the hurdle is now. You know, I need, I need people to pay for these scholarships. I need these people who are saying they're putting all of this money and applying it to DEI to put their money where their mouth is. And, you know, I have, I, I would, I would, my goal is to have 50% scholarship students and 50% students who can afford the program. Like this is a premium program. It trains people in the way that I was fortunate to be trained and it sets them up for success and really teaches them how to be the ideal young professional within a corporate infrastructure. And I, I designed this program in the way that I wish I had this opportunity when I was their age. So, you know, I hate, I'm a, I'm a giver. I'm not a taker by nature. 
And I've worked in an industry where everyone was asking me, you know, tickets, you know, this, this, and that. And now I'm in a situation where I have to ask people to underwrite, donate, sponsor. It's very hard for me. It's, I don't get uncomfortable easily, but that's really the one thing I have found myself feeling very uncomfortable with. So I've just told myself, like, if somebody asks me, what do you need? This is what I need. (laughs) So you asked, so I told you. (laughs) Yeah. Call it, call that shop, put it out there. And Mm -hmm. um, I know your network is expansive, but I'm already thinking like, what is the web that we can weave to get more funding for this? Very, very like, you're like, Lisa, you're not asking for money for you. You're asking for money for these students so that you can pay the bills and keep doing what you're doing for them. And I'm like, yeah, that's right. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and I think there's an important lesson there. You have this absolutely bananas network and so much success in your career. And there's still some hesitancy at the end of the line to ask, make the ask for the money to fund the program. And that is real people like that, that comes up no matter what level you're at in, in life. And, um, it's hard to ask for help, especially when you've been one that has been serving and giving, yeah, Your true. Whole life. I appreciate you saying that. That means yeah. a lot. And, you know, I have a lot of champions, which I never take for granted. And our friend, you know, your friend of mine, Alisa Padilla, I mean, she, she'll, she's gotten on top of the rooftop and she'll scream on my behalf, you know, and shout it out. But, um, you know, I'm thankful for these people in my life who are willing to go above and beyond. Um, but yeah, you know, it, take, it, it literally takes a village. So I'm building it. They're coming, but I really need them. (laughs) I need help in building it a little bit more. Yeah. So what's the best piece of advice that you've ever received given that you have given out so much? Oh, that I, that someone has um, said to me, well, I did have somebody that I have a lot of admiration for tell me that I need to be more patient. Um, patience is a virtue. And, you know, I know that sounds common, but, you know, in the moment of where he was expressing that to me, I get very excited. I get excitable. And, you know, because I'm a highly creative person, I can orchestrate things in my head and I see how it's all going to play out. And sometimes I don't communicate that well, like to the people I'm working with, especially if they don't understand how my brain functions. Um, and I'm just an execute, I'm a doer, you know, I don't, I don't dwell on things. I don't sit on things. I'm like, let's go, let's go. Like pick up the phone. Like, let's just call people and make it happen. Or, and so it's why I love what I do, but, um, sometimes you have to, I've learned how to, and it was a very fine line for me, uh, the difference between giving up versus surrendering. And I've learned how to surrender. And that was an extremely hard lesson for me to learn, um, both personally and professionally. And I think that that he saw that in me that, you know, that was his way of telling me to just surrender, like trust that things will happen. You just, you just build, you know, you put the right ingredients for the cake and the cake will, it's going to take time, but it'll grow. It'll bake. You know, it needs time to bake. It's such good advice. And I'm, I'm with you in the camp of impatience, especially <laughs> when your vision just shows it happening, but you've got yeah. to wait for it to come to fruition. Yeah. And what you said there, the big difference between giving up and surrendering mm-hmm. or surrendering to the process, knowing that the work that you put in and the fruits of your labor are going to grow into what, what you're setting out to do. Yeah. Yep. (laughs) And we talked a lot about your network and your very strong network. Can you give our listeners a few tips on how to steward their networks and make sure that the relationships that they create are long lasting? Yeah. Like, um, be authentic and, and be sincere. Um, you know, when you, it's, we network. 
right? We network, we get to meet people like, oh, that person is so-and-so, like, I got to go meet that person. Or you're you're in a conference and you're like, oh, that person works for so-and-so, like, I got to get in with that person, right? But no, it's about establishing, like, there's, there's an importance of establishing relationships, like you and I, we were brought together and now we have a relationship, but it's more important and it, and it's harder to maintain the relationship, you know, because maintaining the relationship requires energy and it requires effort. So that means I'm going to hold you to it since we bonded on being fellow Chicagoans. When you come to Arizona, I'm going to hold you to getting in touch with me and we're going to go have a Chicago hot dog or a Lou Malnati's pizza together. And we're going to maintain this relationship, right? And then maybe in the future, like you need something, I need to like, we got each other because we're, we're making an effort because that's important for us, right? Um, and also like when I talk about being authentic and sincere, there's someone that I know I needed to talk to the deputy commissioner of the NBA this last year, Mark Tatum, right? And I know him well. And um, but there was a woman, someone told me, like, oh, you need to talk to so-and-so. She works for Mark. And I was like, no way. And I had gone to dinner with this woman. We know each other through fellow colleagues at the NBA. And um, I saw that she had posted, we're friends on Facebook. This is just an example of what it takes to maintain relationships in a genuine way. I saw that she had posted on her Facebook that her mother had passed away. So when I found out that she was working for Mark and I knew that she would be a value, like in my process of getting done what I needed to get done with Mark, the first thing that came out of my mouth to her, she's like, oh my God, Felisa, like, it's so good to hear from you. Yada, I go, hold on, how are you? I'm so sorry to hear about the passing of your mother. How are you? How are you holding up? You know, and she, we had a very special moment because I treat every moment and every breath in my life as like something to never take for granted, which we've all really learned about in a really hard way in the last couple of years, but it's like, what you see is what you get with me hundred percent of the time. So I treat people the way that I want to be treated all the time. You know, at least I make an effort to maybe not all the time, but like most of the time, you know, because, um, that's how precious these moments of life are to me. And so, because I had that moment, regard, I didn't really care what happened, you know, with her, with how the thing with Mark was going to turn out in that moment, because I really cared about her. And, you know, that's one of the, the reasons I think that I've done well in entertaining audiences is because I've never thought about how I enjoy something. How am I going to enjoy the music? How am I going to enjoy the game or the sponsor timeout? Like, I am not your typical audience fan. Like, I don't like going to loud live games. I, I had never been one before working at the NBA. I don't like catching a t-shirt. I don't like clapping on command. Like, <laughs> I don't like these things, but I love orchestrating it like the Wizard of Oz, you know, from the back end. And um, it's just putting yourself in the shoes of other people. Yeah. And you started out that answer with authenticity and finished it with treat people the way you want to be treated. And isn't that the definition of authenticity when creating these relationships is like, there's no, there's nothing fake going on here. Like if something bad happened in my life, wouldn't that make me feel so good if, if somebody asked me how I was doing yeah. and, and then you did Everybody it. wants to be loved and yes. everyone wants to be cared for. Yes. You know, and, and this student um, who I was referring to that came from Crenshaw, he was doing an interview with someone the other day and he was talking about our program. And he said he had never felt a family experience before until he took our program. And he even referenced um, about a month ago, he had a passing in his you know family he said, I was the first person to call him to ask him how he's doing. And it's like, come on, like human decency. 
it's so simple. It's, it really is, you know? So um, I think that's the, the gift of life is to treat other people the way you want to be treated. Yeah, this has been just such a soul filling conversation that also has everything to do with work and growth and leveling up in your career and how to make it to the top and make your dreams come true. It's, it's just been incredible to talk to you just human to human. Yeah. And we finish off every episode with the final four questions. And the first one is what's one piece of advice you'd give to women today to level up tomorrow? Oh, um, well, I, I practice what I preach. So, um, I would just suggest, you know, don't, don't worry. I, I would encourage to not worry so much about being a female. I don't know. I'm going to just talk about it from my perspective. I never, I never cared about being the female in the room or the female I cared about uh, proceeding with self-respect because I knew that if I showed that I was going to respect myself, then I would command other people to respect me as well. So I always prided myself in my professionalism. I cared that people um, thought about me being smart. So I really wanted to showcase my brain um, when I was able to and highlight, you know, that I'm intelligent because I cared about people seeing me that way. I have a strong personality um, and I'm assertive, but I'm not aggressive and I like to be respectful to other women. And so I don't, I don't like the word bitch. I don't like calling people a bitch. I don't like being referred to as one. Maybe people have referred to me as that. I don't know, but like, it doesn't matter. That's not my choice. That's now how I choose to be seen. And then um, just, you know, integrity integrity and, and don't cross any, I, I never crossed, I'm not going to tell people how to be, but I didn't cross any inappropriate boundaries. And I think that that's really helped me to be, go from being Felisa with the NBA to Felisa, the entrepreneur, you find out who your friends and foes are very quickly. Great tips. So switching gears just a little bit, what's your next vacation spot? God, I've been dreaming about two places for the last two years. Um, Greece, I've never been, that's a bucket list. So I live vicariously through Instagram and um, the Maldives. Oh, amazing. Okay. What is your pump up song? Now that I actually want like your playlist, not just the, the one song. I have a playlist. Yeah. I have a playlist. <laughs> but my, my one pump up song that gets me going that like comes into my head every single time I have like a celebratory thought or something is, um, what's it called, Nathan? Boneless by Steve Aoki. Are you going to play it? I was going to have him standing by to be like, you know that song? I love it. Yeah, I'm pumped. I'm yeah. pumped for sure. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> last, last question. And when we ask every guest and we've got quite the archive here, what is your favorite quote? Oh, be the change that you wish to see in the world. And you are doing that. You are doing that every day. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Okay. So where can we stay in touch? Where can we oh, follow thanks. the impact oh. program, tenfold entertainment? Give us all the information. I'll also link it up in the show Thank notes. Thank you. So. I appreciate that. Well, everybody can follow Impact Learning Institute on Instagram. We don't have Twitter. We don't really, we're not heavy on the Facebook side, but um, Instagram for sure. Follow us on that. Uh, we are having applicants right now register for our summer program, which starts at the end of May. And we're super excited. We're going to have a virtual online program for all those internationally and who can't come in person because um, we've mastered the online now, even though it was once a challenge not too long ago. So we've mastered the online and we've mastered the in-person. So we're going to have the online in uh, May 23rd. And then the in-person in LA is going to be June 20th. Yes. And there are both four week sessions. Awesome. We'll send that out to the network and make sure that they share that with any prospective students, because what an opportunity literally of a lifetime Thank you. to launch your career in the direction that 
you wanted to go. So amazing. And by the way, women's history, like kudos to you. Weren't you like the first female GM? In 20 years in AAA baseball. Yep. That's amazing. That's quite an accomplishment and, you know, way to put that in the history books as well. It was the catalyst to start the podcast, to share more of these just amazing female voices who are just crushing it in their careers. And then also leading the next generation forward, which is exactly what you're doing and what an honor it's been to talk to you today. Thank you. You Well, this has been great. And again, like I'll be waiting for you by that time. My, my program will have been done and then I'll wait for you to give me that call. And you're like, Felisa, Chi-Town's coming to Arizona. (laughs) Let's go. Pizza, (laughs) hot dogs, beef sandwiches, I'm, yeah, I'm in. I'm in. <laughs> we may share all of those, but I'm in. <laughs> yes. I love it. Well, thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you. Really appreciate the opportunity. With that, let's get into the top four takeaways. Only four? Okay. I will try. Here we go. Number one, self-respect commands respect. Hold yourself in high regard. Number two, stick to your script. Answer the questions and be direct. Number three, no matter what level you are at, we all need management. So take it and be teachable. And number four, you have the opportunity to establish relationships with amazing people all the time. Seize the opportunity and then respect it with the required energy and work that it takes to maintain that relationship. Hey leaders, if you want to be in for a treat, definitely subscribe to the show if you have not done so already, because we have so many amazing episodes coming up. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or follow us on Spotify, wherever you listen so you don't miss out. And if you leave us a review or post about me or tag Leadership is Female on your Instagram stories to talk about the show, we'll enter you into a giveaway. We're giving away something every single month. Some of my favorite things from my favorite work bag to my favorite sunglasses. Make sure that you spread the word and we will reward you for that. I'll also send you a personal thank you note and repost your comments and reviews. Last thing, did this episode bring you any insights, ideas, aha moments, anything you are inspired by? If so, take one second and share the link, post about it on your Instagram, text your friend, email, so many ways to share leadership is female. And if you do post about this show, again, don't forget to tag at Leadership is Female or at Emily Jansen or my awesome guest today, because knowing that this conversation made a difference for you means the world to us and we love to see it. Thank you so much. This podcast was recorded and edited by Emily Jansen, public relations by Paige Hegedus, and distributed by Anchor FM.